And I am glad that you are here today for a very special Sunday. I turn your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. And I want to read three verses from the book of Matthew 28. We talked a little bit about Matthew last week. Amen. And we want to talk uh, about some more verses in the book of Matthew today. But we want to talk about something that I believe the Lord has put on our hearts a number of months ago. And uh, we have some great things to give you today. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Now verse 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. And then verse 19, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. How many glad you know the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Amen. His name is Jesus. I'm glad I know that name, aren't you? I want to speak to you today from just that simple word, go. It is the word that is common to the three verses that we shared with you from Matthew 28. Go. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. 155 times the word go is found in the Gospels as a mandate for the followers of Jesus to obey. I think as you look throughout the New Testament and you see all of these verses and you see all of these commands, you see how that the Gospel is a Gospel of action. It was never intended to be static. You may say, well, how come you guys at First Pentecostal Church are always doing something different? It's because it's exciting, hallelujah, to know a God who is not a dead God, but he is alive, and he's a God of action. We're not serving a God that's just confined to some statue that's made out of man's hands. We're not serving a God that we made. We're serving a God that made us, and his name is Jesus, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And so the gospel was never intended to be static. It was intended to be sent, to be mobile, to move. The first verse that we read in verse 7 says to go quickly. Go quickly. So there must be an urgency to the go. Not go whenever you get around to it, but go quickly. And the next verse that we read in our text says to be not afraid, but go. Be not afraid, but go. So we know that the go must be not only with an urgency, but with a boldness. And then verse 19 says to go into all the world teaching. So the go must be with purpose. So we know even from just these three verses in Matthew 28 that go must be with urgency, with boldness, and with purpose. You say, well, pastor, why must it be with an urgency because we believe with all of our hearts as we preached last Sunday night that the Lord is coming back so soon. How many of you feel like you can sense that in the atmosphere that the Lord is coming back soon? 
Do you feel an urgency that's in your bones? This world is a mess. Things are so chaotic, but God is in charge of it all. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. And I don't know about you, but the safest place you can be, hallelujah, is to be in the palm of God's hand and to know that you are in the perfect will of God. And then there's a boldness that is necessary. I believe that serving God requires faith. It requires action. It requires stepping out of that boat of comfort and determining that you are going to follow the word of God, even if sometimes it doesn't even make sense in our own logical worlds that we live in. There is a God, hallelujah, that's always pushing us to to sort of step out of this isolated world that we are in. I, I walk through the airports and I see everybody walking around with earbuds and, and some of them got great big headphones that are on their head. And I walk around and I see that everybody is in their own human silo. Everybody is in their own world and, and everybody has got their own bubble and their own space and everybody's got their, 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 their own uh, uh, realm that they're existing in. But I'm telling you what, there is a God, hallelujah, that's pushing us to get outside of our own individual silo and to say I've got to tell somebody about Jesus I've got to share my faith because when God saves you it's not just with the purpose of you being saved but it's so that you'll share the gospel with somebody else and that the word of God will go it will go beyond just our own lives and our own needs but it will go and of course purpose is something that is so essential and, and so important and that is that we go not just haphazardly, not just running around as one that beateth the air without purpose, but to go with a purpose. What is our purpose? Why do we exist as a church? We exist as a church to be a lighthouse to this community, to share the gospel with every single person that we can, to be able to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere and in a world where the name of Jesus is drugged through the mud. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to declare that righteousness is not some relic of the past, but that it is very relevant to the world that we live in. God is still looking for men and women that will, hallelujah, have a sense of holiness and righteousness and raise their family in the fear of God. This is still the mandate that is upon every Christian, every man and woman, every boy and every girl. And so when we think of go, just the simple word go, we think of physically changing locations, going from one locale to another by a physical move. But the Bible lets us know that you can go in other ways rather than just physically moving from point A to point B. You can go with your heart and your mind. You can go with your emotions and your intellect. Go does not mean just going with your feet. Let's read a few verses to establish this. Luke chapter 21 and verse 8. And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Go ye not therefore afterward after them. He's saying that you can go by agreeing with someone. You can go by following somebody, maybe not even with your feet, but following them with your heart, following them with your emotion, following them with your mind, following them with your will. He says, go ye not therefore after them. That's simply to prove the point that you can go in ways that are other than just physically moving. That we find is in the Bible. Now, 
Also, you can look at John chapter 8 and verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? This is when they brought the lady caught in adultery to Jesus. They wanted him to stone her. They tried to trap him. They weren't so concerned about righteousness as they were about trying to trap Jesus in his own words. You know, you say you fulfill the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law says to stone that person caught in adultery. We caught her in the very act of adultery. Now what are you going to do, Master? The crowd was gathered around. They thought they were going to trap Jesus. Never a good thing to do to try to trap Jesus. That will always backfire on you. People say, I'm going to handle snakes and I'm going to make God save me because I'm going to put him over a barrel. You better not try to put God over a barrel. You'll fall right up in the middle of the barrel. The Bible says to tempt not the Lord. So they tried to trap Jesus and Jesus said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. And he got down and just started writing in the grass, in the, in the sand. People said, what in the world was he writing? Nobody knows for sure. Somebody said he was writing all of the sins of the lay. I don't even believe God would do that because he's not a God that tries to just drag you through your own shame. I don't know what the Lord was writing, but when he looked up, he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Verse 11, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That doesn't mean get out of here. That meant go, change the course of your life, and spiritually take a different path. Now that's the other side of this mercy message that we don't always bring out. And that is that when the Lord forgives us, He doesn't forgive us for us to return back to the mess that we came out of. The Bible says that. He said, sometimes it's like the dog returning to its own vomit. When God saves us, he saves us with the intention that we would be able to live an overcoming life. How do we do that? What did he tell this lady? Go and sin no more. Now, what does he mean about that go? Go with commitment. Go with determination. Go with faith. Maybe we can just summarize it by saying, go with God. Where are you going? I'm going down a different path. I used to sin, now I don't sin anymore. I used to swear, I don't swear anymore. I used to look at pornography on the internet, I'm looking at pornography on the internet anymore. I'm talking about what people say, I'm talking about myself. Used to go with alcohol, used to, you know, that's the old saying, they'd say, who are you going with? That meant who were you, who were you dating or courting? I'm going with so-and-so, where are y'all going? Out to eat. I don't know. We're just going. We're going. We're going together. We're going out. You know, we use the word go in a lot of different ways. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're physically moving from point A to point B. It just means that in your mind, in your heart, there's a determination that there is this journey. And so when the Lord says go and sin no more, he's saying, I'm giving you the power now. You don't have to go with the addictions of the flesh. You don't have to go with anger. You don't have to go with unforgiveness anymore. You can go in the power of the Holy Ghost. Go. Look at John chapter 8 and verse 14. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came 
and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Verse 21, same chapter, same book. Then said Jesus unto them again, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whether I go, ye cannot come. I mean, they were trying to figure out go. What's he talking about? He's saying he's going there and going there and you can't follow and where's he going? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the fact that he's going to go to the cross and he's going to go through the resurrection and he's going to go through the ascension. He said, I'm on a path. It didn't necessarily mean a physical path. It meant there was a destiny to his life. I want to say something to this great congregation today. There is a calling and a destiny on your life. God didn't create you for you to just mark time and to have a social security number and eventually end up in Shady Acres. He saved you with a purpose and a calling and a destiny that you would go with the power of God. Hallelujah. We go with our heart and with our prayers. We go with our faith. We go with our finances. I'm going to ask the ushers to, uh, to come and to pass out a magazine that we have published here uh, in our church for, for all of you that I believe will encapsulate what we mean when we talk about go, when we talk about go. They asked me recently to write an article uh, for the uh, Pentecostal Herald uh, concerning this particular issue of going and they wanted me to write an article on the joy of giving so I, I wrote this and I'll share this with you as they're passing out these magazines to you I was I was aware as a boy that the Bible said something about it is better to give than to receive but I was not sure if I believed it the idea that giving something away would somehow be better than receiving it was not a concept that I was able to get my brain around my parents were givers and taught my sister and I to give, but human nature and all of its appetites attempts to override Bible-based teaching. The secret to discovering the joy of giving is that giving has to be practiced. After having traveled to more than 100 countries and been a part of numerous mission projects, I'm convinced that giving is the key to living a life of purpose and passion. Giving by its very nature loves company. A great experience is greater when shared. When you learn the joy of giving, you want to get others involved in the fun. Some 15 years ago, we started taking our men on building trips to third world countries. Our mission was to build churches and to help our missionaries. We soon learned that we benefited more than the recipients. The group of men from Palm Bay, Florida that paid their expenses and took a week off of work only to arrive in the sweltering heat of the Amazon basin never had so much fun. Putting a new roof on the central church in Manaus, Brazil was the mission, but the joy is in the journey. The challenge of language barriers, lack of tools, and dehydration is lost on the camaraderie that develops between men unified for a similar cause. It didn't hurt that the work was peppered with anointed church services and fishing for peacock bass from the pontoon of a float plane or sleeping in the Amazon River on a hammock with only the sound of howling monkeys and croaking frogs to serenade you to sleep. A place where your cell phone is nothing more than a coaster for your Diet Coke. Luxury has its limits. Nature reminds us that less is more and purpose is more powerful than a promise or a purse full of pennies. Only two months earlier, our team of men with a revelation of what real living is all about had joined with another church from Bloomington, Minnesota and traveled to Santiago in the Dominican Republic to build a church. 
The first day they hauled buckets of concrete upstairs to finish pouring the walls. All of you men that were on that trip say, I remember pastor. See, they, they still haven't recovered. Later that night, they trudged back to the room as my boys and I were flying in as we had stayed for the Sunday service. And like an army of men walking out of a bomb shelter, I saw our crew walking, having hauled concrete and buckets upstairs all day long. I tried to cheer them all up with a steak dinner. The next day, we laid out the pattern for the wooden trusses and began to construct them with glue and screws. And we quickly discovered that the trusses were all stuck together and would have to be disassembled. I told Brother Jimmy that was going to happen, and Brother Jimmy said, it'd be all right. <laughs> the electricians, including Brother Jenkins and Brother Toops and Brother um, Tim Graber, could not make heads or tails with the beehive of wires that would be our source of power, and yet everything worked out as two groups of men from two different parts of the country built a church in a third world country in three days and became lifelong friends. Somehow we forgot about all the unexpected setbacks and we had completely built a church. I had brought my twin sons on the trip so they could learn the value of hard work and fall in love with missions. Other fathers had done the same. We concluded the trip with a free day of climbing waterfalls and cliff jumping. But the testimonies at the dedication service revealed that the best part of the journey were the smiles and the faces, the tears running down the eyes of the young congregation that now had their very own church. Santiago was preceded with five trips and dozens of men going to Guatemala City to help build a children's orphanage. Guatemala is a country that has three generations and hundreds of people living in the landfills and thousands of orphans living on the street. But now, in a fertile valley, in the farmland, the shadow of a smoking volcano now lays a city of refuge, a first-class place of hope and care. It's beautiful to behold and to think of the lives that are going to change, but I can't help but reflect on all the lives of grown men from America that have been changed forever by giving and going. A growing church is a giving church. Sometimes we think we have to be bigger or more blessed before we can give, but the opposite is true. Giving precedes growing. A person who gives of his or her time, talent, and treasure grow as a person. We become what God has designed us to be. A growing church is a giving church. Many years ago, Jesus instructed his followers to go. This mandate was not just for the propagating of the gospel. It was and is the formula for abundant life. How many of you can raise your hand and say, Pastor, we have found that to be true. It is the formula for abundant life life. Now, does everybody have one of these magazines? Is there anybody that doesn't have one? Raise your hand. All right, ushers down here, raise them up high. They're trying to make sure everybody's got one. I want to make sure everybody's got one of these because I want to go through this book with you. Some of these young people down here. Looks like it's down front a lot, brethren. Just keep your hand up high. They won't know unless the hand is stretched way up high. Looks like we've got some down here, my brother, right on the second and third row. Keep your hand up high. Make sure everybody's got one. Amen. If you'll, uh, if you'll turn into the, the front part of that book, uh, on the left there is the table of contents. But on the right you'll see that there is a letter um, that is written uh, from myself to you. Let me just read that, um, if you don't mind, because it sort of lays out 
this initiative that we are launching here this morning. As I think back over the nearly 50 years of ministry, next year we will celebrate 50 years as a church. I'm amazed at what God has done in our church. When my parents first brought my sister and I to Palm Bay, we were excited to be a part of a young church. We believed that God had something special in store. We came here in 1971, and I met another man. Where is Mark at? I met Mark this morning, who said he has been here for 45 years. There he is. Stand up, Mark. Here's another man who's been here 45 years. My goodness, God bless you. I told him there's not many of us that's been around this long. How many of you can stand up and say you have been here in this area at least 45 years? My mom, my sister. <laughs> Tom Veely and his mother who is 97 years old. Stand up, Sister Veely. God bless you. She is 97 years old. We are so glad you're here. Brother Jenkins, Brother Segerly. These men were part of the original church even before my family came. And next year we are going to celebrate 50 years. Well, I remember that. I was just going into third grade when we came here. What a great group of people were already here. We believe God had something special. Now this great body of believers is making a tremendous difference, not just within our four walls or in just our community, but throughout the world. And it is indeed an honor to be your pastor. Although our churches always look for opportunities to give and make a difference, our vision has grown to include many other ways to invest in people's lives. An orphanage in Guatemala, helping cancer-fighting cancer kids in our community through our candlelighters program, feeding the hungry through our Hands for Healing program, disaster relief in Peru, Haiti, and Oklahoma. In fact, I want you to know that we're going to Haiti next week. Hallelujah. Yeah. And we're going to provide help to those churches. We've talked with the missionary. We have Pentecostals. We have apostolics that are there on the grounds that are in need of help. And through your giving last uh, Sunday, we're going to help them. Oklahoma, we went and provided disaster relief when those tornadoes hit Oklahoma. We assist unwed mothers through Pregnancy Resources, which is a local charity. Just to name a few, we're committed to fulfilling the great commission of Christ, to go into all the world with the gospel. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 records the words of Jesus. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. These four categories reveal our mandate to invest into four areas of ministry, our local community, our national ministries, our special needs individuals, and global missionaries. In 2016, we've already sent teams to Brazil to replace the roof on the central church in Manaus and a large group of youth to the Children's Orphanage in Honduras, built a new church in Zambia, ministered at the General Conference in Malawi and Madagascar, where we saw over 3,700 people filled with the Holy Ghost. And our Hands for Healing ministry fed more than 4,000 people in a single month. I think we ought to give Sister Annie Weaver and Brother Jimmy Chapman and their team a big hand. They've grown that to the largest food bank in Bavard County. Now the future beckons us to lift up our heads and enlarge our borders. 2017 is a year of great potential. The hour's late and the need is great. We intend to minister to as many people and causes as your giving allows. Peruse this publication. Look at the giving initiatives. Embrace the vision and prayerfully consider your part in this mission. Together, let's make a difference in our church, community, and across the globe. 
Now, as you turn the page, you'll see a little bit of the three areas that we have divided up all of the some 35 to 40 different charities that we support as a local church. We've divided it up into three areas, church ministries, community ministries, and global ministries. Why do we invest in these three areas as a local church? Because what I'm talking to you, to you about today is stuff that goes out from here. That's what the whole purpose of the word go is. It goes out from here. It's not anything that we use to pay the utilities or staff or, or even uh, you know, our own investments like the land we bought across the street and, or even supporting other campuses. It's what we do to give and to go and to bless other people. You say, well, why do we divide it up? Why do we support in these three different categories? Well, if you look back at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, as we referred to in the opening letter, it says that we are to be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We believe that those are representations of areas of ministry that God is going to hold us accountable for. Jerusalem is our own local community. Judea is our area of church ministries that goes beyond and even goes into North America. Samaria is special ministries to special needs in our community. People with disabilities, people needing help, or, or those that are in prison, hands for healing, or family counseling, even our deaf ministry. And then the uttermost part of the earth is global missions. And so when you look at the book, you'll see, first of all, church ministries. These are all programs that we support through the United Pentecostal Church International. Apostolic Man, which is one that organizes a lot of these building trips. Bible quizzing, which you heard about this morning. That's a way that we invest in the young people. We support Bible quizzing not only in our local church, but we support Bible quizzing in other churches. And we give of our talent and time and treasure to develop other young people in other congregations. Christmas for Christ, which we give every Christmas, which goes to support new churches that are being started, as you heard a couple of weeks ago, in metro cities, like the sister that was with us that was going to Quebec City. This is a part of what we do as a church, Lighthouse Ranch for Boys, where I'll be later, later on this week because we're on the board there. And that is a, a ranch that's in Derrida, Louisiana, that helps troubled young men that are struggling with problems at home. Many of them, they don't have a father at home and they're, they're having a hard time adjusting. And so we attempt to take them and put them in a community where they can work hard and learn about the Lord. And it's amazing. Every time I go out there, I see how God is changing these young men's lives. I'm, I'm even more committed to be a part of supporting them. That's what we do as a church. Mother's Memorial, it helps uh, programs that are uh, something that ladies are connected to. It supports young people that are coming back from the mission field. It, it provides a place for adoptions, and it's a, a tremendous program. Save Our Children supports uh, ministries for our, uh, our children. Sheets for Christ, young people, provides vehicles for missionaries. Two Below Children's Mansion, which is an orphanage and is also a board that I'm on. It's something that we do to support children who don't have homes. Urshan Graduate School. There's all different, this is just a representation, but all of these things, we're looking at consolidating all of them in the year 2017 in one initiative. And here is what our desire is, ladies and gentlemen. Our desire as a church is that we would have planned giving for the year 2017 so that if we could meet our budget, we would know at the beginning of the year what all we can do to help and support and give and go. And that we would in 2017 never have to take up a special offering the entire year. How many of you think we can do that? I think we can do it. You say, Pastor, well, why is that something that we want to focus on? Well, you know, last week we had to take up an offering to help people that were uh, in uh, Haiti that have been suffered through this uh, hurricane. And 
over a thousand people now that have died through that. And, you know, before that, a few weeks before that, when I was uh, in Africa, you were having to receive an offering for Sheets for Christ. What we want to do is have planned giving, have a budget for the whole year and say, here's what we can do as a church. We'll give, we'll bless whoever we can based on our budget. And what we can't do, they'll have to get it from somewhere else. But at least we don't have to use Sunday mornings to take up special offerings every couple of months. I'm going to tell you, I believe this is important because people that are new, that are first coming to the Lord and they come to a church and there's a special offering that's received, you know what they say? They buy into what culture out there tells them. And that is that churches and preachers are just all about money and all they want to do is take up offerings. I want to have a whole year where we don't even have to take up a special offering. It's already planned and so we're doing this now to prepare for 2017. And if we can meet our budget, then we can do this without having to take up special offerings. Now, this is not tithes and offerings. This is when we give to missions. This is when we give to these special offerings that we receive that help others. Now, that's our church ministries. The next page talks about Two Below Children's Mansion. And you can keep this book. This is something that you can read. The next one talks about Bible quizzing. And Brother Fobear wrote a great article here on what it means to put the Word of God in young people. Then you turn the page after that, and you'll see community ministries. And you'll see all the different communities that we... Uh, um, the different uh, ministries in our community that we support, Liberty Council, Toys for Tots, Pregnancy Resources, Candlelighters, and again, that's just a few. Hands for Healing, which we have leased a building over across from Harris that uh, is on Claremont Street, 3,000 square feet where people that need food and need assistance, they come every week. And I'm going to tell you something. They have Bible studies before. Brother Scott teaches a Bible study there. And they've got people getting baptized and receiving the Holy Ghost. I was there a few weeks ago, got a chance to pray with them. They had about 30 people that were in that Bible study. And every one of them had their hands lifted and were praying. And God was blessing them. You know why? As a church, we want to feed people spiritually, but we also want to feed them naturally. After that's over, they come through. they got boxes. They go through. There's a big warehouse that's full of food. And Brother Chapman and Sister Annie Weaver and their team, they go and pick it up from Second Harvest, and they, they, they do this every week, end on end, every week. Every, this has been going on for a while now. You may not even know about it, but that's a ministry that's an extension of the First Pentecostal Church. You know why? Because God told us that we've got to go. We've got to go. And so we must move beyond our own four walls and reach out to our community. Pregnancy Resources is a, is a ministry that helps uh, teenage girls that have gotten pregnant, we want to help and reach out to them. Liberty Council, of course, you know Liberty Council, Matt Staver, the group I used to work with, they uh, provide um, legal defense education for ministries and churches um, that are uh, being attacked. Toys for Tots is a program that we started last year through our Azusa Street Riders ministry where they provide toys and books for children that are less fortunate. Candle lighters is kids that have terminal uh, cancer. Um, or, or some other terminal disease. Benevolence Fund is where we try to help people that need help with their power bill. We've got more requests every week than we can fill of people that are needing assistance. And you say, well, Pastor, there's always going to be a lot of people that need help. We're not ever going to meet everybody's needs. That's true, but we've got to at least try. I said we've got to at least try, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to keep trying to help. The next page talks about some of those local ministries. There's a great article in there on Hands for Healing, some of the team that works there. Uh, we wanted you guys to have this so you could keep it. Uh, the next one starts our global ministries. I am so excited about what this church is doing around the globe. It is amazing. We are now supporting 81 missionaries around the globe. 81 missionaries. That's amazing. That's half of the countries that are in the world. 
we are actually supporting missionaries there. And then the next page is our spotlight on Guatemala. More than one million Guatemalan children live in extreme poverty. But ladies and gentlemen, we have built a first-class children's orphanage there. That is amazing. I hope next summer to be able to take our young people and our college career and any other families that want to go in the month of June to Guatemala City and to show you this tremendous children's orphanage. They are fully accredited. They are starting to receive children this week at that orphanage, and they are going to be uh, helping kids that are being raised on the streets. Guatemala has a lot of gangs because there's so many orphans, and these kids have nowhere to go, so they get their identity through gangs, much more like what happens in uh, inner city youth, in, even in America, in large metropolitan areas. Guatemala City is an amazing place that is struggling with this because they have, uh, some of you men went with me, and Bishop Myers, myself, Brother Richie, we, we stood on the top of a landfill, and we watched people attack garbage trucks as they backed up over 1,500 people that are living in a landfill, three generations of people. There's a picture right there over the top of Spotlight on Guatemala of a lady carrying her baby in a box in the landfill. You say, Pastor, you're just trying to tug at our emotions. This is real life, people. I've seen it with my own eyes. This is something that's not make-believe. We have been given a mandate. We cannot turn the blind eye. We've got to help these people. And so 370,000 orphans on the streets in Guatemala, but we have an orphanage there. We can hold 100 kids. Uh, our church has been very instrumental in going down there. Brother Segerly, who's in his 80s, I think he had a birthday a few weeks ago. He's made a number of trips there himself. We built a Florida house. We built uh, a, uh, the, the multi-purpose building, which is the biggest building on the campus. Uh, was, money was donated from a man out of our church, and they dedicated that to my grandmother, Ruth Lucille Myers, my dad's mother, who is still alive and is turning 98, Sister Bailey, in February. I was just with her in Pensacola. They dedicated that, as you'll see that picture of her there, and they dedicated that multi-purpose building to her. And then if you turn over the next page, you'll see a little bit about what we're doing in Global Missions, the numbers, how it's increasing from 2014 to 2015, national ministries, churches and preaching points, water baptisms. Last year, there was 129,000. 777 people baptized in Jesus' name in other countries. Is that not awesome? 130,000 that received the Holy Ghost. 2,779,000 that were reached with the gospel. 388 Bible schools. I mean, it just goes on and on. And then if you look at the next page, it's something that is referred to as the 1040 window because between 10 degrees uh, and 40 degrees north of the equator is a belt which wraps all the way around the globe where over 5,000 of the world's unreached groups live. About 3 billion souls live in that area, 10 to 40 degrees north of the equator, all the way around the globe. More than 1 billion people are completely untouched that the gospel has not yet reached. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why the Lord has delayed His coming, so that people in that 1040 belt can receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what are we talking about? North Korea, 24 million people. Afghanistan, 2 million people. China, 11 million. India, 0.1% are Christians. Indonesia. I mean, the numbers just go on and on, but you can study that on your own. And then if you go to the next page, it lays out what we believe our initiative is for this program. And that is that we would have planned giving, that we would make monthly commitments for the year of 2017. This won't start until January of next year. But I want to make sure that I lay this out to you now. 
so that you can just in your heart and in your mind begin to prepare your budget for the next year and say we want to be a part of go go will stand for generosity opportunities it will not replace weekly tithes and offerings however our intent is to eliminate other special offering requests throughout the year by consolidating all of our needs into one annual pledge program in doing so this will allow us to more easily budget what we can do to help others and it will allow you to more easily budget and ladies and gentlemen we will just simply do whatever we can do based on what your commitments are we encourage you to prayerfully consider stepping out in faith and let God use your generosity to spread the gospel on the next page are some frequently asked questions should I list my tithe and regular offering on this pledge no continue to tithe and give as the Lord has blessed you that'll continue what about my existing global missions pledge You'll see a place in just a moment, I'll show you that, that will list your existing pledge amount on the go card, and then if you'd like to increase that, there's a space for that. What payment methods will be available? Same thing as we normally do. You can give by the kiosk out front. You can give online. You can go to fpcpalmbay.com, and uh, you can give electronically. You can give by credit card. You can give by check, by cat. We'll, whatever you want to do, we'll make provision for you. Will I get an annual receipt to use for tax purposes? Yes, all of it's tax deductible as we continue to give to others. Now, I want to show you a video clip because this is something that impacted me in such a powerful way. When I was in Madagascar in Malawi over the, I guess it's been a little more than a month ago, and uh, I was in some of the poorest countries in the world, Madagascar, Malawi, and Zambia, three of the poorest countries in the world. And uh, when I saw them receive an offering, it so moved me. I tried to video what I could. The first thing that you're going to see is Madagascar, and uh, where they work for all month long for somewhere between $30 and $35, and Sister Richardson will be the first person that's talking in this video. She's a missionary's wife, she's been a missionary there for over 30 years. Her and her husband are now retired, and their son and daughter-in-law uh, are the missionaries there in Madagascar, but they still are a, a big part of that. And she explains uh, their giving and what they do. And then there's a lady that'll come and talk to you, her name is... Sister Mickey Mangan, her husband and her pastor, one of our largest United Pentecostal churches in Alexandria, Louisiana, and they're always one of the top giving churches, but even she stood there and cried as she saw how these people gave everything that they had. And then the next thing you'll do is see Malawi. Malawi is one of two or three poorest countries in the world. People literally have nothing, and as they took up the offering, I watched, and you'll see in the video, as people ran to the altar to give their offering. And ladies and gentlemen, these people have nothing. They have nothing. Every single person in this room, as much as you may think you're struggling, you have more than most of the people in the world. And when you see this firsthand, it's an amazing thing. I want to show you just a clip. The first thing you'll see is Madagascar, and then you'll see Malawi. This is Sister Richardson.
so eager to work. And I, it just amazes me that that we don't think of it as much as as uh, worship unto the Lord. We think that it's uh, it's it's something a deed that we are doing. It's not um, almost as something that we're supposed to do because it's required of us. But this is as beautiful unto the Lord as a song or a gift uh, of any other of any other work. We think we've done so much, you know. Oh, okay, I think I'll put 10 in, maybe 20. And these people have given their month's wages. It's because it's worship. pretty sobering you know I think about the Lord standing in the temple with his disciples and the rich man came and gave and those disciples were all impressed by that and then a little widow lady came and gave a mite and they didn't think much of that and the Lord said she's given more because she gave her all and I thought you know in America we give and it blesses a lot of countries 
But here are people that are giving their all. They're giving a month's wages. Madagascar, they'll save the entire year to go to the general conference. It's the equivalent of $7,000 to go and sleep on the ground and cook out of a pot with a lean-to on their head just so they can be in church all week long. It's a sobering deal. But it put me under a lot of conviction. And I came home and I said, God, I've got to do more. So I learned something in Madagascar that I'm going to share with you. And that is that they would take up an offering and they would take it up from all the ministers first. Then they would announce what the ministers had given before they even took the offering up from the people. So when I saw them do that, I said, well, I'm going to have to announce what I'm going to do before I can announce what I think everybody else ought to do. So let me go through this with you, and then I want to tell you what I've committed myself to do and what I've committed Bishop Myers to do when he was not here <laughs> a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, here's our goal as our church. If you'll turn to this page, it says our goal. There's like a pie chart there. Our local church, community programs, and global missions endeavors all depend on your generosity. We believe we can support all of the church ministries in 2017 for $41,000. All the community ministries, which a lot of that is Hands for Healing, but also all those other ones. And again, this is just a representation. There's many more ministries that we don't have listed here. But we believe we can take care of all the community ministries for 52000 And global missions, 81 missionaries that we support on a monthly basis, children's orphanage, building churches overseas, foreign Bible schools, 107000 would meet our budget for 2017. If we put all of that together... We believe that we can give $200,000 in 2017 that will bless all of these ministries that go beyond our local church. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. You say, well, how can I give? There's different ways you can give. Those are listed there below. On the far side, there's a, um, there's a card that says generosity opportunities, I and there's a place there where you can put your name there. And what we're going to do is we're going to have our final pledge date on the first weekend in November, which is November the 6th. But I'm going to ask everybody to make a preliminary pledge today. And this is just something I know you've not had a chance to talk to your spouse about it. You've not had a chance to pray about it. So I won't make it your final pledge, but you'd say, Pastor, this is what I would like to be able to do. Now, this is not some commitment that if you don't make it, you know, we're going to send out all of our ushers to your front door of your house, you know, and, and bug you with phone calls and collection agencies. This is just something you say, you know what, Pastor, this is what's in my heart that I would like to do. And then you can put their church ministries. If you want to divide it up, you don't have to divide it up. You can just say, I want to give such a, such amount per month for the year 2017. This is for the year 2017. You won't actually start giving until January 15th. Give you a chance to get through the holidays and all of that. But starting in January, once a month, we would have go envelopes in your bulletins, and this would be all of our global missions giving, all of our local missions, North American missions, everything would be in this one, and we would have a budget for what the year 2017 would look like. And then if you would like to have a certain amount of your monthly budget go to church ministries, you can put what you would like to do per month to that area. Community ministries, what you would like to give uh, per month there. Global ministries, 
If you already have a certain amount that you give on a monthly basis to global missions, you can put that amount there. Uh, and then if you want to do additional, you can put that amount below there. Uh, or if you don't give uh, on a monthly basis right now to global missions, you can just put it where it says additional month. And then at the very bottom, you can add those three categories together and say, this is what my total monthly pledge is. Or if you don't want to divide it up and you just said, I'll just do uh, a total amount, which is what I'm doing, what Bishop's doing, many of our leaders are doing, you can just put a monthly pledge down there. So this is what has happened so far. I came back from Africa and I said, I've got to do more. So I decided that I was going to pledge $1,000 a month. And this is not money that I make because I'm in ministry. This is money that I make in other uh, endeavors from secular jobs, my legal education and what I do in legal consulting. I'm going to, of that income, give at least $1,000 a month uh, to this GO initiative. I pledged that Bishop Myers would give $1,000 a month in his absence. I wanted to give him an opportunity this morning to stand up and say either yes or no to what I pledged for. <laughs> that wasn't planned. <laughs> uh, don't you love Bishop Myers? What an awesome man. If you think I received too many offerings as a pastor, I want you to know that I got my training from my dad because he's always had a heart to give. And so we're a giving church, but that's why we're a growing church. That's why that Madagascar church is having revival like no other country I've ever been in because of that giving that you saw. Giving precedes growing. As a church, as a person, as a family, it's just a part of it. Now, I presented this to 25 uh, families a few weeks ago at a, a, a dinner that we had over here in the Life Center. And I asked them just to make a preliminary pledge. I said, this is just what we're doing this morning. So this is not final. But I said, I just want you to put it, put it down, put it in envelopes. And I went home. I put it in my coat pocket. I didn't even look at it. I just had to do, there were 25 um, commitments and 25 envelopes. And um, as I was going home, there were other people in our leadership team that was texting me and saying, here's what I said on my card, but I want to give more. And I said, that, that's just amazing. I was, I was overwhelmed. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to listen to this. This is the kind of church that you're a part of. Our goal was $200,000 for the year 2017. In just meeting with 25 families in our church, they pledged over $100,000. That's over half. That's over half. That's just 25 families that pledged over 100,000. Over half of it's already been pledged. And I was so moved that night. I, woke, I opened those envelopes up and looked at those cards, and I just sat there and cried. You can ask my wife. I was so moved because of God's love that he has put in our hearts. That, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of giving is not confined to just Madagascar and Malawi. Ladies and gentlemen, in Palm Bay, Florida, You've got people that have that same kind of heart, and they give not because we're wealthy. You're not surrounded by a bunch of millionaires here. We're all just blue-collar people that are working hard, but because we love God, and God has blessed us, it's out of a heart of appreciation. We say, Lord, I want to give because you have blessed me in such a powerful way. So I'm going to ask you to do that. We're going to pray in just a moment. 
And I'm going to ask you, this card, you can just tear this card off. It's perforated. You just tear that right off of your booklet like that. And there's an envelope here. In just a minute, we're going to pray. And then you can fold up this card like this. If you want privacy, if you don't care who sees it, you can just drop the card in there. But if you want to just put it in an envelope and do it privately, you can just stick it right here in this envelope, fold it in half, and it'll slide right in here. And we're going to pray in just a moment. Then I'm going to ask you to just, just say, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to commit to this amount for the year 2017. This will be what my monthly commitment would be. This is not tithes. This is not my offerings. This is what my missions pledge is going to be with all of these missions put together in one big category. And we're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to just, just do whatever's on your heart and just say, Lord, this is what I want to do by faith. Like I said, our final commitment date is going to be on November 6th. And if you're not here on November 6th, you don't get a chance to pledge on November 6th, we'll take whatever card you give us today. If you do one today and you do another one on November 6th, we won't add them together. <laughs> we'll take the highest one. <laughs> and then we'll announce, announce to you what our pledges are. But I believe that God's going to help our church in 2017 to go above and beyond and it's like I said this morning, folks, we go, not necessarily with us all becoming missionaries, but we go by our giving. We go with our prayers. We go with faith. We go with determination. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful congregation of people. You've blessed us in so many ways. I'm so appreciative of men and women that love you and love the work of God. I have a heart for missions. Lord, you know that this is our heart's desire. This is not anything that is going to be a direct benefit to us, but it's, Lord, it's because we love you and we believe your word that if we would give, that if we would go through our giving, that you would take it and multiply it and that you would continue to bless us, not for our own standard of living to increase, but, Lord, you have blessed us so that we can bless the kingdom of God. I pray that that revelation, that boldness, that urgency, that purpose would, would come upon each and every one of us and that, God, you would make a way for us to do what's in our hearts. As your people make these pledges this morning and, and put them in these cards and just step out in faith, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would help us to be able to see what is in our heart become a reality. And that more people would come into the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask. Everybody said amen. amen. So I want you to just to fill out the card. If any of you need a pen, ushers have got pens. Ushers, would you mind coming down and standing here at the front so you'll be able to see everybody? If you need a pen, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand up as high as you can, and the uh, ushers are going to hand out those pens to you. Just raise your hand as, just as high as you can. Amen. You've got to kind of get your hand up over everybody's heads for them to see it. If you need a pen, just, uh, uh, just um, grab the pen. Now, some of you that are here that were uh, at our leadership dinner earlier, you don't have to recommit. You don't have to refill out a card. Um, we, already, we already have your card, but if you, uh, you feel moved this morning to, to do more, you're certainly welcome uh, to do that. But uh, if you'll fill those cards out and, and then put them in those envelopes, and, uh, and when you're ready for it, just hold it up. And the ushers are going to come around with these globes, and they're going to uh, pick up your commitment cards. And this is a way of just saying, Lord, this is what I want to do. This is what's in my heart. I realize it's just a, a preliminary pledge. It's not a final commitment, but Lord, this is what I desire to do. This is what, if, if, if the Lord will make a way, this is what I want to commit to. 
and you'll put that on that card and uh, say, this is what my desire is. I believe that God will make a way. Amen. Because if it's in your heart, God will put it in your hand. I don't even know that's true. If it's in your heart, God will put it in your hand. Amen. He'll put it in your hand to give. He'll put it in your hand to go. And uh, after you've turned all your cards in, we're going to have a special time of prayer here this morning. But we want to give everybody an opportunity. Uh, the ushers are going to come down and uh, they'll uh, be able to see you. If you'll just hold up the card, make sure that they're able to see that. They're going to put them in the offering plates. Amen. And uh, they'll just go row by row and uh, receive all of the cards right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. A lot of cards being held up over here. Sister Burroughs, Sister Petty. Amen. Sister Baisden. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Don't you love the Lord? God is so good. Thank you, Lord. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. I'll give you just a few minutes, give you a chance to fill that out. These uh, books, you can keep these and um, take it home with you. Over the next few weeks, we'll be having more of these available out in the foyer. Um, if you know somebody that doesn't go to this church, but they have a heart for missions, you're certainly welcome to get an extra book for them and to uh, take it to them. We've printed up enough so that everybody can have an opportunity to um, see what our missions are and what our uh, initiatives are for next year in 2017. And uh, we believe that God will help us to be able to accomplish this. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make sure everybody has a chance. Ushers will also be uh, standing at the doors uh, whenever we leave here in just a few moments. Um, if you've not had a chance to fill out your card or you're talking to your spouse, you want to. I know I see a hand over on the far side, Brother Jenkins, right back there on the far side. Amen. You can also turn it in in just a moment. Um, whenever we uh, dismiss. Thank you, Lord. I think Sister Mangan was right. This is a part of our worship, isn't it? It's a part of our worship. It's as beautiful as a song, as a message. When we give, God honors it. Amen. If you're a visitor here today, I just want to say thank you for your patience allowing us uh, to take this time today we're doing this uh, because we want to be able to provide our services without having to receive special offerings uh, next year for the year 2017 amen god bless you anybody else you have a card the ushers are going to uh, scan the audience one more time and make sure you got a card you want to put in all right why don't we all stand together 
And uh, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to uh, bring your needs before the Lord. I, I was talking with some people this morning, and they were telling me something about situation that they were facing in their life. And I said, I want to tell you something. You come to the right place at the right time. Because our God is a prayer-answering God. How many of you know he's a prayer-answering God? Our God is a prayer-answering God. And I know that the Lord has come today to meet your needs. And I don't know what your need may be. But I tell you one thing, you cannot outgive God. And whatever you determine in your life that you're going to give to the Lord, whether it's the investment of your time or your talent or your treasure, there's a God that's going to do more for you than you can ever do for Him or His kingdom. And regardless if it's a sickness that's in your body or it's prayer for your family or it's something you need God to do on your job or maybe it's, it's a situation that you're facing that nobody knows about. Maybe you're just facing in your own personal life and things that you're struggling with. I want to tell you that there's a God here today that can meet your need. He can wrap his arms of love around you, pull you close, and you can feel the presence of God and you can know that God is not far off on a journey. He's as close as the very mention of his name. Whatever you have need of today, I want to invite you right now to step out of where you're standing and come down to this altar and we're going to pray together right now. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I'm going to tell you, the presence of God is something that you can feel as soon as you lift your hands and begin to worship God. You can begin to feel the presence of God. And whatever you have need of today, maybe there's a, something that you're, you're dealing with, you're struggling with, we're going to pray for every single person. We want you to come down to the front. And if uh, I know it's a few minutes over this morning, if you've got to go, uh, we totally understand and you're dismissed. But if you want God to do something special for you, I'm going to invite you to come forward and come to this altar. And when you come down to the altar, I want you to come with this thought in your mind. Lord, I'm going to come and I'm going to turn it over to you. Maybe it's something you've been struggling with, something that you've been fighting with, but you said, I'm going to turn it over to God today. And I'm going to ask the Lord to come into my heart right now. How many of you know the Lord will come into your heart? Whatever you desire, whatever you want God to do in your heart and your life, the Spirit of the Lord will come down and He will surround you like a sea. Let's lift our hands. Everyone that's down here at the very front, would you lift your hands right now? You can talk to the Lord like you would your very best friend. And whatever you have need of right now, would you say, God, you know what I have need of. I'm asking for your help. That's it. Lift up your voice. Ministers are going to come around and pray for you. Our altar workers are going to pray with you. And God is going to touch you right now in the name of Jesus. You do.